Hi, everyone. First of our summer bonus editions, I'm talking to Andy Green. You may know him from years past as Anders Red, the football finance blogger. How's it going, Andy? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ed. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, we used to meet up at a sort of Manchester United fans group thing a decade ago or something like that. Yeah, so, something like when we were young. When we were young. Neither of us young and we now no longer live in the same country, let alone <laughs> the same city. But, you know, what is old is new again, isn't it? And looking at United's finances, as much changed in this past decade. It's got bigger, but so is the debt, apparently. Amazing yeah, stuff. Yeah, actually, the debt hasn't, I mean, the debt hasn't, gone up much in the last decade but it certainly hasn't gone down it's yeah. there it's like it's like death and taxes it's always with us and it's still sitting there costing all this all this money every single year for all the pontificating about oh would when they sell our shares or they pay them down some of that debt just looking at the the recent ish accounts it was 596 million gross minus the cash yes 500 million pounds of debt lovely stuff that yeah, and it's it's part of the way they run the club. Obviously, they've decided that this is a tolerable amount for them, and and they're happy to happy to run with it. And I suppose that hasn't really mattered for the last few years. It hasn't been the problem. Yeah, but it could well be the, it could be well well be the problem this summer because, uh, as everyone knows, they need to to massively rebuild the squad. Then they need to rebuild the stadium, and, and you do wonder where the money for all that's going to come from. Well, it's interesting. Joel Glazer's been at the fans forum a few times since last summer's postponement against Liverpool. Uh, I wonder why. He's suddenly very interested <laughs> to talk to people and has talked a lot about rebuilding Carrington and investments in Old Trafford. And there's you know, stuff leaking about rebuilding Old Trafford and, and investment in the squad and all that kind of stuff. But then you look at United's sort of post-pandemic recovery and it looks challenging, I'd say, that that United are going to be able to find the cash for all that kind of stuff. Well, I think Ralph Raniuk said maybe 10 players, 10 new players, yeah. by which I see, by which I see he means sort of first team, proper first team contenders. And you sort of put any sort of sensible number on that, what's an average fee? 40 million, 30 million? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah so 300, 400 gross before before any sales. I mean, that sounds very, very ambitious. Even if even if it was possible from a sporting point of view, which, which of course, it probably isn't, yeah. it would be very, very challenging. I think on the, on the stadium, that's where a sensible club that isn't already up to its eyeballs in, in debt would, would obviously borrow. That's what, yeah. you know, it's good borrowing, isn't it? Good borrowing for, for the next 20, 30 years, which is what Spurs did, obviously, just, yes. you know, I haven't haven't been there, but one of our few good games this season, wasn't it? But um, you know, we've got that extra challenge. United's got yeah. that extra challenge. If it, if it wants to spend a hundred million, two hundred million on on redoing Old Trafford, then then that has to has to be borrowed essentially because there isn't the the cash flow in the business. Yeah, it's interesting looking at both Real Madrid and Barcelona, obviously borrowing heavily to revamp. Bernabeu and Camp New, so they obviously see it as a, a legitimate investment for them. I'm not quite sure how Barcelona are pulling that one off, given their their debts three times ours. <laughs> yeah, they, they they're probably in even even bigger trouble, aren't they? I mean, yeah. over the last over the last uh, ten years, uh, the capex capital expenditure that the clubs made is is 148 million over ten years. Right. So I mean, that's absolutely 
tiny, obviously. It's it, it, a lot of that went on the expansion of the disabled section, obviously, which, yep. is, which is a good thing. A good thing had to happen, and the refurbishment of some corporate boxes, maybe a few quid on the rail seats in in J stand yep. last season. But but yeah, it, it's it's a hugely underinvested stadium as as everyone who goes there knows. I yes. love the fact that they're they're very keen this season. If you're next season, if if you've got a leak above you, let the club know straight away, and they'll patch that bit of the roof. They've they've appointed someone who's in charge of that. Yeah, that's that's right. Leak liaison officer or whatever he's called. Yeah, that's right, which is a, a lovely touch, but it rather reflects on the sorry state of the place. I did see in uh, many of Ten Hag's sort of photo shoot out on Old Trafford pitch just how mouldy the roof is <laughs> in the background of all those shots. I was like, you need to yeah. clean that up. Bit of photoshopping. So in the in the recent account, obviously United are still recovering from the pandemic, and and it looks like I mean if you take the these are nine month accounts rather than the full year, but if you if you take the position there, it looks like United won't have fully recovered to sort of twenty nineteen levels this season, something like that. Revenues won't be quite as big as they were. Profit, well, United made a loss. Look like they'll make a big loss this year. It, it's kind of troubling picture. Yeah, I mean, I think I think obviously it's it's affected by by which competition you're in, yeah. which year, how many how many home games there are, how good the cup runs are, and so on. But but no, I mean, I think it's it, you're you're right that they're not recovered there yet. The you've got the worst possible world, haven't you? Which is your revenues haven't recovered fully, and your costs, which is obviously main, mainly wages. Have, have gone up very considerably and it was interesting that the the wage bill for those nine months you're talking about was was almost 50 million pounds higher than the same nine months uh, a year before what wonder who could have caused that yeah exactly what what could have, what could have happened well it's two things isn't it first of all we did qualify for the champions league having yep. been in, in europa last year although it seems like a bit of a distant memory doesn't it champions league football but um so everyone gets a bonus everyone gets paid more for champions league football and then yes sancho Barat, and yeah. obviously cr7 so yeah it's if you if you spend all that money and then you underperform in the season you're spending all that money the next season is not going to be any better is it? i mean it'll adjust a bit down because yeah. they'll get a they'll take a wage cut for 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 not qualifying for champions league again yeah but i suppose i suppose my main concern with the finances is is it's the old thing about fixing the roof, no pun intended, while while the sun shines. So this is a rainy day for Manchester United, isn't it? We need this massive rebuilding. And, uh, you know, the club will probably make $100 million of what's called EBITDA, cash, yep. cash profits, this year. But then it will spend its usual $40 million or so on, on interest. It'll pay some, it'll pay some tax, which is obviously right and proper. And it'll pay these dividends. And it's not going to generate very much cash after that pre-transfers. Well, well, quite, yeah. £33 million of in, um, dividends this year, which is up, but I guess it was only 11 last year, so they're just making up for the yeah. dividend they didn't take. Yeah. That's right. That's no, right. Nice, nice yeah. lads, those Glazers. Yeah. Yeah, there were no, no other major football club in Europe pays dividends to its owners. I mean, it's it's a hundred sixty odd million over the last five six years. Absolutely, yeah, so. absolutely. And 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 again and again in a good year, in a good year, in inverted commas, then maybe it's not not the end of the world. But when when you need everything you can get, then it's 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 hard. Which means so if you can't borrow it, you're not generating the cash yourself. Then you're into into talking about player sales and getting money in that way, aren't you? Yeah. So it, it, in in and out in the same window. 
It's very hard to make a, a really positive case, isn't it? Given that the wages are double. I was shocked when I saw that. Wages, average wage at Manchester United is now £180,000 a week. Average wage. And that's double what it was when Fergie left. Yeah. Uh, and talking about paying people to fail. No rational person would go into football. It's the, the, the wage inflation is absolutely endemic. It's built into the structure of the system, isn't it? And um, it's not going to be helped by, I don't know, Newcastle being owned by Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund. There's another pot of infinite money coming over the horizon yeah. to bid up, wa- bid up wages. Look at the Mbappe deal with PSG. Yeah. I mean, insanity, insanity squared. Yeah. So, so the, all those trends, all those, all those things that that led in some ways to the particularly American owners wanting to do the European Super League and and try to keep a lid on costs. European Super League is a terrible way to do it, but but. You can, you can understand their mentality sitting behind that. Well, it was interesting. Yeah, of course, I think that was probably part of the, the European Super League that people didn't comment on mostly. It wasn't, it, I mean, one, it was a close shop. And of course, everyone reacted badly to that. And they could sell their own TV rights, at least for part of the European Super League season, which which was a big revenue boost. But it had all these provisions in there to restrict wages and cap wages and restrict sales between the Super League clubs and all of this kind of stuff to drive down the costs. Or or, or really stop them going up. I mean, it's interesting if you look at United's results as they put out to the New York Stock Exchange last week on on treble day, actually, on the 26th of May. They they put in in their commentary on the industry developments and government UEFA financial sustainability rules effective July 2022, which will ultimately... And that's a, that worth doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Ultimately, include a seventy percent cap on men's squad costs. Yeah, and uh, so they're still hoping. I'm sure Fenwick are hoping the same. I'm sure Chelsea's new owners are help, uh, thinking thinking the same as well. They're still hoping UEFA is going to come and sort of calm the market down for them. Yeah, but obviously financial financial fair play, which has been with us for for you know more, more than a decade now, hasn't hasn't done any such thing, has it? So, Well, it's. I, th- I think Mbappe, obviously, um, money doesn't really mean anything to Qatar, at least in the in the scale of things when, it, when we're talking about a football club. I mean, I think we're assuming, as football fans, these numbers are astronomical, but really, in terms of a state, they're not. So they could throw anything they want. But I do think it's part of the strategy just to just to drive the market up because there's no limit really and and we'll see whether that's 70% cap so it's 70% of turnover in wages and and transfer fees right minus all the usual costs right yeah. so yeah it's exactly. financial fair play in a slightly different formatting but but will it but will it be enforced i mean I mean, you know, I don't want to say anything that might get city's lawyers knocking on, the, on my door or your door ed but yeah it's interesting with that city case that one of the reasons that they 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 got off was they were beyond the statute of limitations yep. on when these offences were meant to happen. We all lots of us read those those leaked emails that that, that came out from in the German media and and, and led to led to that case. There are lots of loopholes and ways to to wander through the financial fair play regulations. It seems a strange coincidence, doesn't it, that cities major sponsors are all owned by the same family that owns the club i mean it's uh it, it remarkable remarkable fortune uh there i'd say absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean if you're, you're a cynic but we're not so yeah but but we're not but we're not uefa hasn't shown the teeth or organization or nous to to clamp down on this stuff so far and and i can't i can't i can't see that changing in the future which means clubs like united and liverpool yeah and I think actually that looking at those two clubs th- together and looking at how far apart we are on the pitch, 
despite the fact that in some ways we've got very similar financial constraints. Their yep. ground was tired and outdated, and they had to put money in to to to, to, to expand it, obviously. And they'd gone through a long, long, long period, much to our joy, of, of lack of success. I mean, yep. a, few, a few cups on the way, of course, but, but no league success. And um, and they've done a pretty good job, haven't they? I mean, painful though it is to say, at the same time that yeah. we've been travelling on a downwards trajectory, they've been on the way up. So the reason I'm slightly optimistic is because of that. So why have they, how have they managed to do that? Well, this strays outside my financial area, but it seems to me good club organisation, yes. good organisational management within the football club at all levels, director of football, recruitment, yes. youth, you know, all the whole thing, and a really good coach who can then build something around him that's sustainable and works and has longevity and, right. and, 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 so, on, and so on and so forth. So the reason I'm slightly optimistic is I think if – for all United's problems, if ten and I wouldn't claim to know a great deal about Dutch football, but it seems to come with a good pedigree. If he if he can do the similar thing that Klopp has done at Liverpool, they're on a the budget too. They haven't got they haven't got oil money to, to spend. Right. But yeah, and, and it requires the structure around him to be smart enough for Murtagh and, and Fletcher and, and Murtagh's team to and the new head of analytics when they come in, a new head of scouting when they come in to all well, be... it's a new head of everything. It's a new head of everything, isn't it? It's every, everyone's, new, everyone's new. And and I suppose that could be a massive jolt in the arm and a huge, you know, you know or, or it could be a disaster or it could be somewhere somewhere in between. Well, my old stakeholders who I was, you know, management consultant with, basically, if, if that was happening at a business, a a stock market listed business anywhere you'd say there's a whole bunch of red flags there and yeah, and it, you'd be really worried about the performance of the business if it was doing that but it can't get much worse no i was gonna say you're coming from such a low base and and obviously you, you do get you know in quoted companies quite often you do get a sort of nice little long lives where the chief exec goes yeah. and then the finance director is out six weeks later and then the head, and then yeah the new chief exec and chairman come in and they fire the sales director and and and, and turn it around yeah it, it's not without risk but as you say we're we're, we're at rock bottom at yeah. the moment aren't we so so how can it get worse well I, I guess the question coming back to your point is if united were smart enough if the glazers were smart enough and said hey look we, there's a model for sound performance of a Sure, commercially run club, but sound performance in which you can do well and your sponsorship revenue, TV revenue and match day revenue all goes up and the asset value grows, right? So there's a model there that can be followed. It, there's just, we don't have any evidence that the Glazers will do that. So apart from being leeches that suck all this money out of the club, 855 million in, in uh, interest paid and uh, hundreds of millions in dividends paid. That, that It doesn't look like they will ever become smart owners, but maybe they will. And that's the hope. I, again, I'm, I'm slightly more optimistic because uh, they ha- they are not succeeding, are they, at the moment? Yeah. Their asset value isn't going up. Share price ever. I was yeah. looking at $12 yeah, exactly. something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they're, they're back below the IPO price of an IPO that took place 10 Ten years ago, yeah. and okay, the stock market is off is off a bit in the last six months. But it's obviously, if you put your money in the, in the index and put your money in United shares, yeah. obviously one one would have done far 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 better. So they haven't haven't got it right. They're not stupid. They might not be the nicest people, but they're not stupid people, and they must realise they've done something wrong. And they have done something wrong, haven't they? What have they done wrong? They completely failed to plan properly for Fergie's yep. retirement, which everyone knew was coming. They appointed a financial guy, someone like me, in the in the form of to a foot. To a, Frankly, a, Andy, I, yeah. I 
trust you far more to run the club than Ed Woodward. I was waiting for the call, Ed. I was waiting for the call, but it never came for some, never came for some reason. Yeah, so appoint to somebody who, who didn't know anything about football. I mean, fine, you make him the, the head guy, but he needs a football guy underneath yeah. him. And he never never had that. And and, and then, God, you just, I mean, you can't, I was going to say, you can't criticise them for not spending money. They have spent a lot of the club's Lots. money. Yeah, of course yep. they spent a billion pounds on, on interest and, and dividends, which is a tragic waste. And just think what we could have with, if we'd had that money. But they still spent another billion pounds on transfers, on yep. transfers to get precisely nowhere to have the sort of poorest return in silverware since since the 70s so so they because they're not fundamentally stupid they must realize i didn't work and they're trying something else aren't they and, yeah and that's one of the things i somebody i don't know Arnold's, but but someone who does said the good thing about him is he knows what he doesn't know yeah and i think woodward didn't know what he didn't know or knew he didn't know it but thought he could sort of learn it on the job or or, or stick his beak in and and, and work it out and so yeah. hopefully the current leadership team from Richard Arnold downwards will be left to sort of try to build this structure. And, and the fact that down just down the road, down the East Lanks Road, is this model of, it's really frustrating model that drives me nuts um, in the form of Liverpool at the moment, you know, sh- shows what you can do. Well, it, well, it does. And, and I do think the best CEOs, having known many over the years, are those that set a vision, like a really strong one, this is our North Star. This is where we're going as an yep. institution. And for Manchester United, that has to be success on the pitch because it still does drive fundamental driver of revenues. Yeah. And then delegate authority to competent people in the key positions in the structure you decide. Right. And and all of that has gone wrong over the last ten years. We didn't have a CEO with any vision other than we can make money without being successful literally said it edward was yep. on one of the calls and and then didn't have competent people in fact appeared to believe he was the most competent this kind of putinism of i know i know how to structure a war i know how to lead this and do all the transfers myself sorry it's an unfair comparison but well, maybe maybe not no but i think i think it may be an unfair comparison but he, that's exactly what he thought isn't it he, he 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 thought he could and he had these strange ideas northcroft in the in the sunday times yesterday writing about yeah i hadn't heard this i hadn't heard this idea before having a fat squad which doesn't mean yes old ronaldo <laughs> it means it means yeah it means a big squad across all with positions, high asset values with, on, on high yeah. asset value on long on long-term long-term contracts and united fans have spent the last goodness knows how many years every summer going oh we haven't signed any in this key position oh but look we've just extended phil jones's contract again or or whoever it is pick your yeah. pick your favorite yeah out of favor never get never gonna get on the pitch player so yeah bizarre ideas that, that i think anyone with a football brain would have would have avoided but go back to your point about success on the pitch leads to increasing revenues it's also true that a prolonged period of lack of success on the pitch will depress your revenues yes. and i don't think united's appeal in the post-Fergie years, from his retirement, for the first two or three years, Moyes, you know, Van Gaal, yeah, okay, it was very poor on the pitch, but the the, the glory was so recent. You know, Champions League finals were so recent, and, yeah. and obviously the the twentieth league, that, that it didn't really matter because it was going to come back. It was going to come yeah. back, wasn't it? Any any moment, and if you're a, a sponsor, if you're the famous Thai noodle sponsor, whatever it is, you're 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 buying that. And now it's quite a long time now, quite a long time. And Arsenal have a similar thing. When was their, you know, their glory years of 
yep. firmly in the in the 1990s, aren't they? Well, we see some of that in the finances, don't we? The team viewer deal was quite a bit lower than fifty yep. million pounds lower than the Chevrolet deal, although the Tezos, how do you say it? Tezos, Tezos training kit sponsor. I, I, was a, I wouldn't try, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, right. it yeah. was a, a bit larger, made up for some of that. But the Adidas kit deal is up in a couple of summers' time. That's right. That's right. So we used to be we used to be absolute trailblazers for our kit deals and our sponsorships. And um, although I think the Chevrolet deal, I, I don't understand what they thought they were doing. Chevrolet were doing. Well, they fired the guy. They fired the guy. They fired the guy. They fired the guy who signed it. But yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing, of course, is that uh, there was innovation on the commercial side. Clearly, under yeah. Woodward, that was one of his strengths, and particularly this splitting the market, not just going out for five or six keys. The PLC in the PLC yeah. days, I remember meeting with the PLC. It's a very firm idea about not diluting the brand. And that sort of makes some intuitive sense, doesn't it? But it was actually wrong. They were like, we don't want more than five or six key sponsors. And uh, and what Woodward um, agreed is, or decided was, that was completely wrong. And you could have 30, 40. But even so, everyone else can do that now. Yes. And we, and, and you still have to come, fall back on this thing. Is, it, is Manchester United a special brand to be associated with? Of course, it's a special brand in, in the round. It's famous. But you want to be associated with sixth place, scraping into the um, Europa League because West Ham couldn't pull it out of the bag in the in the final few games. I well, mean, true. Not... And, and commercial revenue has actually been flat for six years, yeah. basically, not not yeah. changed at all six, seven years now, which is, so that innovation was, was never, they, did, they didn't no. fix the roof while the sun shined they, they on the not, commercial side not. of things. Yeah, and, and broadcast is obviously, it's locked in for another three years on the Premier League side, and then it's very, very driven by Champions League qualification or not. I mean, last season was kind of weird. Well, so the season just gone, Champions League round sixteen will probably be less money than the season before, which was Champions League group stage plus Europa League final. But yes, it's much of a muchness, right? So Champions League quarter final, semi final is lots more valuable than that, and Liverpool as finalists will make a hundred million pounds more than. United out of UEFA, something like absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the Champions League, it, it, it's obviously very unfair in the sense of if you get, you're get in it, you get a lot of money. If you're out of it, you get very little money. So yeah. it's very unfair in that sense. But, but it is very performance-driven once you get through those groups. Yes. And uh, yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also a bit of a sceptic on the next domestic deal as well. There's been this tendency for somebody to come out the woodwork and uh, right, right back in the day with... Yeah, BT Sports entry at just the right moment, just when things exactly it went, through, yeah. went through one cycle where it, the, the growth on the on the, the one deal to the next deal was about three percent, and there's uh, everyone thought that's the peak. And BT Sport come along, um, and obviously Amazon have come along in a small way and, yeah. and influence influence that as well. But BT Sport is an interesting business because BT don't really want to be in it anymore. Well, they're they're selling it to Discovery, yeah, at least the JV with with Discovery, yeah. and. Uh, I, I I get the feeling that you can't rely on on that growth anymore. Plus, the economy, the UK economy, the world economy is is looking yeah. quite rocky at the moment. Yeah. So, so broad, broad, broadcast is hard. Well, I think that's why they rolled over the Premier League deal. Yes, that's why they rolled it over. There was also partly partly COVID as well because of the uncertainty yeah. at, at at that time. But I don't think I don't think sensible. a massive I don't think broadcast income steady state broadcast income for achieving the same thing is going to grow exponentially over the yeah. next f- five or ten years so so yeah it, where's the growth uh, this is why football is a, mi- a mystery to me why 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 are these people 
buying Chelsea? What, what do they think the economics of that looks like to pay? It, it looks really challenging. I mean, the two and a half billion purchase price plus all the other commitments that they appear to yeah. have had to sign. Yeah. And 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 that club has structurally run at a loss since the Bramovich took it over. That's 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 why they've become the success they are. Are they going to structurally run at a loss? I mean, it sounds as you as you say with that 1.75 billion of additional commitments on top of the two and a half to to redevelop the ground to, to to continue to invest in the squad. But it sounds like they are. So if they are going to put over four billion pounds stake here, what? What level of return are they looking on that, and what time frame? I mean, a normal private equity time frame is four, five, six years. Yeah, well, they committed ten. Yeah, so so it's a it's a it's a it's a slow slow burn facing all those factors we were talking about before in terms of wage inflation, lack of broadcast yeah. and growth, uh, and so on and so forth. So, well, I, yeah. I I figure if I had four and a half billion that I could, and I know this is a stupidly simplistic way of putting it and just stuck that in an index fund i'd be making what nine ten percent return every year on that compound that over your 10 years and there's quite a significant return that they would need to get in order to just like steady state which yeah so it it does look it looks very odd and and i mean i guess i guess on the broadcast side of things the the hope is that some other player will step in but it's not obvious that people at amazon i know they're, they feel pretty saturated on the Prime, which is the thing that's really driving revenue for them because Prime users spend the most money as well as the Prime business being multiple billion. So can they really drive more subscriptions out of out of football and content? They pulled back on Amazon Studios a bit. Apple yep. are playing around with sports here in the US, so they do Friday Night Baseball at the moment, although some analysis I read in the Sports Business Journal said they weren't going to commit to it wholesale. It's. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a different. It's a different market, but but yeah. everything that's happening on net on Netflix and on the subscription side suggests as well that if you have this inflation problem we've got around the world at the moment, you, you know, cost of living pressures, then people start trimming back on these things. Yeah. And Sky, Sky, to, to have Sky and BT in the UK or, or you know, equivalent equivalent packages abroad is is something of a luxury item for yep. other people not not you know, perhaps not for the absolute core hardcore but for a lot of people it is or you maybe maybe you drop bt and keep sky or you know, vice versa so you, you've got all those headwinds in the next two or three years as well and yeah. i uh, i can't see a way that pans out well for the for the clubs the new nbc deal here in the states was very lucrative i mean it's the biggest market outside of the uk but i don't i don't know if there's i mean they're averaging about a million viewers per game Premier League game at the moment, which is very good in US terms, but not very much in no, you know no. in global terms. So no, still, yeah, so we've got headwinds on the commercial side of things. They're really going to have to turn the club around in order to for the next for the Adidas deal and for the next shirt deal in three years' time to be to be good. Headwinds on the broadcast side of things, we can imagine steady state for a yeah. couple of years, but and yeah. then then what else is there? Is tickets or player sales? Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, I think, I think player, player sales are the one. I saw some guy on Twitter listing about eight people who should leave the club, not, not the ones who've, whose contracts have expired. Obviously, and said, oh, that's yeah, that's that's one hundred fifty million. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that. Maybe I don't, I don't, I don't see it either. But any, 
I think sometimes people get a bit fixated with the profit you make on the player. Actually, that's that's not really where we are this summer. We don't. It doesn't matter whether you paid forty million for somebody yeah. you sell for ten. Yeah, and yeah. you book it's a cash. thirty million because mm. yeah, it's cash because you'll you'll have amortized as they call it that forty million over the contract yeah. life anyway. So they'll be in the books for a lot less than the forty you sign them for. It's cash, as you say. It's it's just like anyone could relate to that, aren't they? Yeah, you you got literally holding holding your roof and you go around the house going christ what can i sell to fix the hole in the roof and it's yeah. like oh well that 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 old clock on the on the um on the mantelpiece that might give me 10 quid it doesn't matter i bought it for 50 four years ago when i was feeling flush so but then i mean who, who are the saleable assets martial hasn't enhanced his value has he uh he's had a disastrous time at Sevilla. yeah uh... a, a disaster wambasaka yeah possibly Possibly Wambazaka, Henderson. Yeah, Hend- Henderson's got some value, uh, yeah. which I think is a shame because 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 a he's 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 a more modern goalkeeper than David De Gea, and he's significantly younger. And it could just be one of those, understandably from his point of view, he wants first team football, and and I can understand his frustration. But that would be a shame, wouldn't it, to to, to sell him? I think. But you know, so yeah, there's a list. But what's it going to bring in? Plus, everyone knows we're desperate sellers as well. Yeah. Because, of course, we need to sell not only for that, but also to reduce the wage bill to allowing the new people who are going to then push the wage bill back up again. The other, the other, of course, to increasing increasing revenues, if it's not broadcast, not commercial, not player sales and not tickets, <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of appetite for ticket price rises, is to inject equity. Now, obviously, the Glazers aren't going to do that, but Spurs owners, Enic, have done that. 150 yep. million of extra money uh, flowing into Antonio Conte's pocket for him to spend on players. And that's, and that's, what, that's, what, and that's what Chelsea's new owners have promised to do. And that's yeah. obviously what City and uh, Newcastle, Newcastle will do. Newcastle yeah. mentioned. And, and, yeah. So, yes, and, and it puts a further disadvantage, doesn't it? Which is... <laughs> even more frustrating when you think not only the Glazers taken these dividends which is actually a relatively recent thing it's only been going on for the last five six years yeah but also of course they've got this magic money tree of converting their 10 votes shares into one vote shares yeah and then placing those on the stock market every time selling them off, fancy, yeah. fa- fancies a new condo or yacht or whatever it is they want yeah. now it's harder to they're less willing to do that. I haven't done that for a while because obviously the share price has been down in the dumps, as we as we said. But they've been cashing in chunks of United, giving up no control. This is why I sort of retired a bit from football football writing about United after the IPA because that was when they won. That was when they yeah. won their battle because they got by getting this listing on the New York Stock Exchange and this ability to basically just take some cash. Oh, have have two percent of the share capital that's going to be you know. 0.2% of the votes. I mean, amazing. They could sell 90% of the, of the club uh, and still retain voting control. Which points to, I mean, I guess the last conversation we could have is, is thinking, you know, is there an end game here? I mean, the Chelsea sale sets a sort of price ish. I mean, it's so it sets, a, it sets a really interesting. It's a really interesting price, isn't it? Because yeah. because because Chelsea's structurally loss making. If you're willing to pay two and a half billion. Let's put the commitment, the future commitment aside. If you're willing to pay two and a half billion sterling for a club where you know you're going to struggle to make money, you're going to have to invest more in it. Yeah. What would you pay for a, if you want to buy a football club, a preeminent football club, 
preeminent a very famous football club what would you pay for a very a very fa- the most famous football club that that, that should be self-financing that 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 does make a hundred has made 150 million of this famous ebitda you know yeah it it's it, it's interesting isn't it because the stock market is not pricing it like that united's market caps at two billion dollars that's right that's right the stock market and and so this is this is goes back to what i was saying about if that's why i've got these sort of glimmers of optimism about the glazers putting the right people in charge because the stock market is not reflecting the value they would get if they went and sold it yes they don't want to sell it clearly or i'll say the previous points and therefore they need to change things because going back to my magic magic money tree and passing out the shares they i'm sure they feel they're not getting good value for those shares when they have to sell them at uh, they've sold some at 15 bucks they sell some at you know, 18 and so on but yeah I, i'm sure they think it's worth far 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 more than that yeah but it also means unfortunately if two and a half is the, is the benchmark then for chelsea then united's got to be worth yeah S- significantly more you'd think because of the brand reach and, and the cash flow positive yeah, exactly s- status that they could get to in post yeah. post pandemic recovery yeah although Sadly, it doesn't seem like they want to cash out. I don't know why not, because if from a purely business point of view, just to take that money, split it between the six Glazer children and go invest that somewhere else, they would make more money. So there's something else driving it. Well, they've put, they've put, in, they've put in nothing. Yeah. I mean, virtu- vir- virtually nothing. Right, even, even right back to 2005 with, with you know, their, their equity, the, the was, cash they, they, yeah. they supposedly put, put up was, was a, a few hundred million, yeah. hundred million. They've taken out significantly more than that. So yeah. they're, they're, they're in the money already. They appear to have borrowed some money to repay the famous infamous picks yeah. back, back, in the, back in the day. But, but then obviously they, they've taken money out that probably repays that money. So they're in for free. Yeah, as we say, as we say in the, in the world of finance, they're in for free, and any anything they take would be upside. So yeah, if they could sell it for four billion pounds, would you take four billion pounds? I'd take four billion pounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I would for most things. I, I guess if I was rich enough to own Manchester United, then maybe maybe I wouldn't, and uh, I'd just do it for the glory. But maybe a better way of thinking about that is if I happened to own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I didn't care much about American football or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I saw an out, then I'd take the out, but they haven't, and it doesn't seem like they will do. But I wonder, but I, but I wonder whether they sadly share share some of my red tinted optimism yeah. that actually that actually they've now realised that you need a coherent vision for the football club that runs all the way through the organisation yeah. and and a, and a coach you give time to and integrate into the rest of it, as opposed yeah. to uh, as opposed to the old trick, which was. Gr- slam a square peg coach into a round peg hole of, of yeah. an organization um of which Mourinho is the ultimate example isn't it yeah. you're not buying a, a, a holistic 10-year vision with Mourinho are you just buying a... yeah. you mentioned Norcroft's piece I mean there's a series of pieces in the the Times Sunday Times over the past few days which sort of dissect United's decision making over the last 10 years or so which is completely brutal read and well, well worth it uh, and of course all the stuff I mean there are a few new anecdotes in there but mostly we knew and but I'd, yeah I'd like to feel as optimistic I, like the the solution is the correct structure United you know, make money could be a Liverpool with some kind of um, incremental thing on top of that because yep. fundamentally he's a bigger club Sorry, yes, that's right. and 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 run it smartly the club will do better on the pitch and the glazers can take even more money out because 
the revenue would keep going up. Well, I mean, there should be alignment between the people who are in a football club and the supporters. There should be, because essentially you want the same thing. Obviously, they they started their ownership the first you know ten years or so appallingly badly. No no communication, massive ticket price hikes in, in, in particularly in those first five years. Again, a reason, small reason for optimism is that now we're all in the crap together, aren't we? They're in the crap. Their values very lowly valued yeah. by their assets very lowly valued by the stock market. We're all fed up and pissed off because the performance of the pitch are terrible and our nearest rivals both in the city and down the road, are doing brilliantly. So we are currently all aligned, and it may be that they've... <laughs> That's an interesting way be. to drive it, yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. doesn't mean they should take dividends, though. What they should actually be saying is, we're not going to pay a dividend this year because we need to fully reinvest in, in the football club, physical infrastructure and infrastructure on the pitch. That would be nice. The... There is a fan chair scheme mooted, which I know I'm I'm hopefully going to talk to Duncan Dresso from Must about. And I know they're working very hard on what that is. And there is a, not alignment between fans groups and the club on what that might look like. Funnily enough, I, I think the proposal was for some fraction of 1% of non-voting shares to be um, available for fans to purchase, which, you know, you can do anyway by going to the New York Stock Exchange and buying some shares in Manchester United. Duncan um, obviously can, can speak in more detail about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the good thing there is that must are being extremely robust on it. That there is no point giving giving the Glazers a fig leaf. So look, look what we've done. And to have affirmation from the biggest and best organised supporters organisation in the country um, when, it, when it doesn't achieve what it's meant to achieve. And it's a, it's a real challenge making it credible. And to make it credible... You have to make it credible to make it big, and you have to make it big to make a difference. So, so yeah. there's there's no point going down that road at all unless unless it's right. And well done to Musk for for standing their ground. I'm perhaps a bit so, less optimistic on that one. I think. Yeah, no, I, I it's hard to see much coming out of that. But I'll, I'll we'll see by the end of the summer whether any of that has been um, resolved or not. Anyway, Andy, uh, great to talk to you. It's been a while. Been a long time. No, thanks. Thanks very much for inviting me, Ed. We'll touch base on the finances if anything changes in the, the time to come. I mean, I think it's kind of seems kind of set for the time being, but it it does. It'll be interesting to see how they, who they buy, how much they spend, where it comes from. You know, let's hope we're not all starting August with deep, deep disappointment. Yeah, Zlatan coming on a five-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Andy. On the, on that on that bombshell, thanks, Ed. Yeah, bye now.